What's going on? Thanks for tuning in. We have a great show for you today where we welcome Dr. Catherine Aponte, and she is the author of A Marriage of Equals, How to Achieve Balance in a Committed Relationship, and a clinical psychologist who maintained a practice of clinical psychology for 30 years, emphasizing couples therapy. And today we talk about the old monogamy and versus the, the new, new monogamy. monogamy. And today we're going to be talking about the new monogamy and how you can negotiate that with your partner. And we get into the details of how to negotiate what is the new monogamy mm -hmm. versus the old monogamy. And uh, I think you guys are going to like it. One thing that I love that Catherine had mentioned is talking about your relationship and the idea of new monogamy every time you go through a big change or phase in your relationship. Because really, as we grow, we change, our relationship changes, and it's important to stay in touch with that and really keep that dialogue open with your partner. As always, thanks for tuning in, telling your friends and family about the show. We really appreciate you guys, and hopefully you're finding some value in these episodes. I know Sarah and I are, and uh, yeah, enjoy today's show. Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Catherine. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I'm glad to be with you, Sarah. Today, we're going to talk about choosing fidelity in a relationship. And we thought a good place to start might be distinguishing between the old monogamy and the new monogamy where we're actively choosing this and negotiating fidelity with our partner. So want to tell us uh, maybe the difference and we could start with old monogamy and what that looks like. Sure. I think that's a good place to start. Um, kind of the old monogamy is that notion that uh, once you get your when you make your wedding vows, you are in fact uh, vowing to be uh, a in a monogamous relationship with the, the other person, and uh, it's those kinds of uh, views are really codified in um, in religious experiences, and uh, you, you, it's an assumption that's made. It's almost an automatic thing that you do. And for me and for other people that I read, uh, like Esther Perel, for example, that I'm going to talk about in just a minute, you, uh, uh, you cannot, we cannot any longer make those kinds of assumptions that relationships are... Uh, much different now. There's a great deal of variety about what kind of relationship that you're going to have. So you have to start thinking. In terms of uh, the old monogamy, Esther Perel has a very interesting way of talking about this. Uh, 
she thinks that the basis for that notion of uh, monogamy, the way it's codified in religion, uh, particularly now and codified in our thinking, when I say codified, I think uh, what I mean by that is making it kind of an implicit rule, is that it's grounded in, she speaks from a psychoanalytical or a relationship perspective, and she thinks that it's really grounded in that early parental experience where you have that sense. I mean, we don't know that because we were not cognitive as a kid, but uh, when we think about that kind of relationship, we uh, that early experience is uh, one of oneness with another. There's sort of no distinction between oneself and one, somebody else, like the mother and the baby. And uh, it is ultimately a sense of uh, exclusiveness, a sense of oneness, that is the ultimate togetherness. And she makes the argument, and, and I agree with her, that underlying that old monogamy, which she calls monolithic monogamy, underlying that is that seeking of that exclusivity and uh, with another person. And uh, there is this is based on the idea, or from this comes the idea, that there is one person out there who can be everything you want a confidant, a best friend, a passionate lover. Uh, and she talks about the, but Peral talks about the old monogamy is the sacred cow of uh, this romantic ideal. Uh, because it, as she says, it becomes a marker of our specialness. Now, I think that's an important concept, that sense of specialness. It's because it's that specialness that deserves, deserves that exclusiveness uh, in a relationship, and for and the outcome of that, which we'll talk, I want to talk a little bit later on about this, but is the uh, is what is why when if you have that concept of old monogamy, when you have infidelity in the relationship, it feels it's a sense of personal betrayal because it's a betrayal of that sense of specialness. And that, uh, so I think that that's probably, that's a good summary of what I think the, the notions about old monogamy are. And we're going to definitely dive into the new monogamy, but we want to take a second to kind of talk about this old paradigm. And right. it's so interesting because we don't question a lot of things that are the commonly accepted Norms. cultural norm, <laughs> you know, and everything you described is just, yeah, it's how you do things. But when you really talk about it in the way you did and think about just how ridiculous, <laughs> for lack of a better word, that it is that, you know, when someone's 20, 25 years old, however old people are getting married, even 30, they meet someone, you're madly in love, and you guys both go, yep, we're going to be together, and traditional old monogamy, till death do us part, and that comes with sexual exclusivity, and right. for some people that means even, don't even go on a coffee break with a member of the opposite sex. It's exactly. so It's so archaic. I would... Uh, Chase, I would sort of uh, cut back at you a little bit on the ridiculousness part. What's not ridiculous to me, and speaking of this from that uh, uh, more analytic position, is 
I think we're all susceptible throughout our lives to wanting to be special. And I think that's what what is the lure of that old monogamy and and the but you're absolutely right about the implicitness of that. And what our job is, is to become more self-aware and to, in fact, be open to that challenge of that specialness that we feel and recognize it and not necessarily condemn it, but just know what it is and know that it has to be managed. Um, and one of the things that I do throughout in my own life, as well as throughout my work, is I distinguish for people between being unique and being special. I think that's the, in the new monogamy, if I can just foreshadow a little bit, the notion that we are all unique is very important because we are. But I don't really think any of us are special. Uh, and I think, but that is the seduction of the old monogamy. It is, it holds out for us that we are so special that somebody would want to be exclusively engaged with us. And therefore, when that is violated, then it is such a personal betrayal. But again, I want to I want to say again, it's the betrayal of that sense of specialness we have. And that I think we really do have to recognize is not in our best interest to think of ourselves that way. For the new monogamy, since it's probably so ingrained in us to want to feel special, would the new monogamy help us manage those feelings of when in a relationship you no longer feel that specialness and you're looking outward or outside of your relationship to feel that way? To become self-aware interesting is that you have to have that awareness that you you wish that you could be special and in our and I think we have to guard against that in our marriage relationship that we carry over that sense of specialness that is that that is that sense of of um, uh, exclusivity and that is that sense of as separate from being unique, being special. Being special means we're better than, different than, more something than other people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not a healthy way to mm-hmm. be in a marriage. In a marriage, we want to be unique and we want and we want to be able to live up to the arrangements and the concept that I use is negotiation, our negotiation with our partners. And we want to trust that, but what, and we want to trust our partners that they will live up to what we have negotiated and arranged uh, with each other. Uh, and that's what I'm, I'm trying to, I'm seeking to replace the sense of specialness with the sense of commitment to and trust into a negotiated relationship with somebody that you love and care about and are committed to. One of the things you wrote about in in an article was that mm-hmm. the the specialness is in the relationship and mm-hmm. not in, in the the individuals. And to me, that's exactly right. And I love that concept to be uh, bragging on myself. <laughs> 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 I really like my ideas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and oftentimes, I think I'm very special. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, you're not so special. It's this conversation. That's the special yeah. part. 
But the that's right. It, we're having a special conversation, but none of us are special. <laughs> uh, but that's right. I I absolutely love that. It's it's it. What we give up, if when we give up our sense of specialness, we can attribute that to the quality of the relation that we have with our spouse. So to touch on the the specialness and wanting to feel that and and I agree with you on your pushback that uh yeah it's not ridiculous I've wanted Good, to thanks. feel special <laughs> for sure I guess just I was referring more to the not questioning the ideas that we just kind of take for granted around monogamy and these things and that's why this is an important topic but how much does insecurity play in that do you think like we want to feel special, but like we want to feel secure and and have that somebody. I, I think you've hit something that's very important, something that I address in, and I'm going to do a plug here in my book, A Marriage of Equals. Um, and that is uh, uh, those insecurities that we all bring with us into adulthood. And this is not mental illness, which I also address in the book, but it is that we all bring forward what we call those uh, insecurities that we have from childhood um, and that we're not really quite aware of them. And the re- reason that we have those insecurities, again, it's not, it isn't even necessarily that we have uh, uh, bad parents or inept parents and so forth. It's just that as children, we are cognitively and that is mentally unable to stand outside ourselves and view ourselves independently of how other people see us. As adults, we can do that. Not easy, but we can do that. But as a child, you can't do that. So the implication of the, the, the outcome of that is that whatever way you're treated becomes who you are. And there is no way that people that you can go through uh, childhood without at one time or another feeling in some way inadequate or unacceptable or not good enough. Usually when I work with people, it's that sense that they bring to our my work with them, a sense of not being good enough in some fashion. And it can be any kind of fashion. And that's what you what through a process of self-awareness, you can become aware of and manage. One never gets cured of oneself, nor should you. Your life experience is your life experience. Embrace it, but be aware of it and know about it. And uh, the the early chapters in my book really go through this self-awareness and recognizing these insecurities and how to recognize them and address them and manage them, not fix them or cure yourself of them. So how can we have a discussion with our partner about the new monogamy? Maybe tell us what new monogamy looks like and how we can negotiate it with our partner. But first, we want to take a break to tell you about today's sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. You guys might be experiencing a little bit more stress, anxiety, relationship issues, given the current circumstances and also not wanting to be out and about traveling. So really, there's not a better service at the moment than today's sponsor, BetterHelp. 
BetterHelp connects you with a professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. You can communicate with your therapist via text, chat, phone, and video. Choose from over 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states who specialize in relationships, depression, stress, and anxiety, which a lot of us are dealing with a lot more than normal, self-esteem, anger, trauma, and many more areas. Anything you share is confidential, and if you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time for no additional charge. BetterHelp is secure, convenient, and professional. Best of all, it is truly an affordable option. Our listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code IDO. So get started today. Go to betterhelp.com slash IDO and simply fill out a questionnaire form to help them assess your needs to get you matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash IDO to get 10% off your first month. Today's episode is also brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Do you guys want to create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days? Yes. Sign yes. me up. <laughs> then you guys need to check out our online course, Spark My Relationship. It is an online course, like I mentioned, that we created with over 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you guys the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. We talk about it on the show, relationships take work. Sometimes they function pretty easily and you coast along, but we've found the reality is, is you have to do work sometimes and to make them better, to change them so that they're more satisfying for both partners. And you've made it here. You've made it to listening to our show. So you guys probably already know that a little bit. But what you might not know are the specific tools and exercises that you need to create those lasting and positive improvements in your relationship. And like Chase said, change does not happen on its own. It takes hard work. And that's why we created the course. Spark One Relationship is designed to infuse your life and relationship with fresh passion, skills, and wisdom. And it's a self-paced journey that's perfect for turning up the heat, having some fun together, and revolutionizing your intimacy and communication. And just some tools and strategies that the course includes is to how to eliminate unhelpful old habits, develop mindful awareness to help improve your stress management, learn healthy and successful communication tools, create a deeper and more intimate bond, and strengthen your couple microculture, which you will find out what that is. Uh, in the future together. So for our listeners only, we're offering a special of $100 off the course. Visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock to unlock your discount. And there is a 30-day money-back guarantee. So there really is no reason to not give it a try. So go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock for $100 off. The new monogamy is really coming into the relationship um, committed and learning how to become self-aware so that you know what your insecurities are, being willing to negotiate the, all of the, the items and the issues and the uh, differences that occur, being able to discuss the things that are important to you as individuals to flourish in life, and to be able to develop uh, 
strategy for negotiation. And then as you do that, then in fact, what kind of a, a, a concept of fidelity do you want to have? And um, you, one of the first things that you have to do when you get ready to have a discussion about what this is, what the, how you're going to make this work for yourself, what you're going to get committed to, is to examine your implicit view of monogamy. You know, that is, as we were talking about, what are the kinds of uh, views about monogamy that are already set in your mind that you bring to your relationship? And that'll have a lot to do, again, with your family background, your religious belief, religious beliefs, uh, traditional sex roles, uh, personal moral values, uh, and your own, as, you, as you've talked about, Chase, your own personal uh, insecurities. <clears throat> There's a one author that I reference in the book and in the article, Tammy Nelson, who had some great fun kinds of ways of talking about some of these implicit ideas. Uh, for example, we promise to be faithful until one of us grows tired of the other. Uh, I know you won't cheat on me, but I probably will. I'll be faithful, but you won't because you're a guy. We'll be faithful, except for a little swinging when we go on vacation. Those are the kinds of, I thought that was a fun way that she <laughs> approached what it means, what those implicit ideas that we have uh, that we're supposed, that we need to make explicit. Um, and then how, whatever guidelines that you establish to to define what the two of you agree to, what fidelity means to you and the guidelines for that fidelity, you have to be willing to renegotiate those throughout your marriage. You know, the, first, the one time uh, is not going to be fit all because your life changes, you have children, you get new jobs, all kinds of things happen. And good, good to review what your notion of fidelity is and what you're willing to commit to as you go through these phases. And undergirding this, of course, is, you know, people will say, oh my God, you can't just renegotiate every time you go through. That doesn't make any sense. Well, it, it really does. The thing that holds the relationship together that allows you to do that are two kinds of things, I think. One is your commitment to each other and your love for each other. And the other is the, through the negotiation, through building a negotiation process that works for the two of you. And I identify that as collaborative negotiation and, and discuss that in depth in my book. Uh, you learn, it's a very interesting thing. You learn to trust in that process. Uh, this is going to be a little aside um, uh, about the notion of trust. You know, we oftentimes think of trust as an attribute of people. Uh, you know, he's a trustworthy person. It's like a trait. And so you have to figure out before you marry somebody whether they're trustworthy or not. I don't have that idea about trust. I think that trust first starts with knowing your own insecurities, being self-aware so that you know that you can trust yourself to get through whatever goes along. Then you trust, you develop trust in the relationship, trust in the negotiation that you're willing to work on and achieve to accomplish the things in your marriage and in your relationship that you want. And finally, it's as if through those two experiences, 
trust becomes an attribute of the person. So uh, that so undergirding this ability to to negotiate and renegotiate when it's appropriate your views and your commitment and what are the what constitutes fidelity in your relationship is that notion of that commitment and that relationship. And Nelson of the scale I just talked about really talks about three things that can be part of that negotiation that you have to figure out. Then the first, the three elements, I'm going to give you the three elements and then I'm going to go through them. Does that sound okay? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. The first one is being honest. And that refer, being honest and open. I like, it's not honest in the sense of being telling the truth. It's really more being willing to be open to your partner. And it refers to what you agree to tell each other about your relationships with other people. For example, do you find yourself attracted to somebody? Uh, do you have fantasies about another person? These are the kinds of things that you want to be able to be open with and agree that that's a legitimate thing and be aware then that as you raise those things up, if they elicit insecurities, then you talk about those kinds of things. So being honest is one. Fidelity is the third. Let's go back to the outside relationship. That means deciding on the limits, if any, of the nature of your relationship with other people. Uh, for example, is it okay to share personal information with other people? You know, some people are very upset if you say anything about what's going on in the relationship or anything about them. So you really do have to sort this out between the two of you. Um, intimate uh, do you want to? Sh- can you share with other people intimate thoughts? Uh, can you share the nature of your relationship with other people? Those are the kinds of things that. What is? The, what are the limits that you want to place on how much you talk about and share with other people in outside relationships? Is it okay to uh, go to meet colleagues for dinner? I guess I better not get per, uh, political here, but I was going to say something political, but I don't think I will. <laughs> oh, and the final thing, the third thing is, what is the sexual fidelity? So in terms of uh, fidelity, marital fidelity, sexual fidelity is, is one element. Of course, it's an important element, but being honest and what are you going to do with outside relationships and how you're going to manage those is another aspect of it. Um, so sexual fidelity, you got I, I'm a little bit older than you and probably many of the people in the audience, but um, Jimmy Carter, when he was running for president, talked about with, I think it was GQ or one of those magazines, about lusting after somebody in his mind. And he had a marvelous marriage. He was just a wonderful moral guy. I mean, just a great guy. But he talked about lusting after women. And boy, did he get blowback. But anyway, you have to talk about that. What does it mean to lust after somebody? Uh, how about pornography use? Where do you stand on that? So again, I think those are three basic ideas about uh, what you really have to negotiate in your relationship. And again, as I said, you have to do that more than throughout your lifetime, particularly at times of transition in your life. So what happens when one partner wants to, or maybe both people in the relationship want to discuss these, uh, the new monogamy for, for them in their relationship. But one person in the relationship is just unable to 
to be okay with changing it and wants to stay with the old monogamy and the other person wants to change? How would they navigate that in their relationship? Well, I guess that navigating is really for me what I call negotiate. Navigation is a very nice word as well. And uh, that is a whole process. And and essentially, that's really what my book is about. So you have to go through a process of being very self-aware, which means you have to come to understand what your own insecurities are, because oftentimes it may be that somebody who wants a more uh, old monogamy or perhaps a more rigidly defined one that is defined so much, defined in a sense by outside an outside rule and rules are not uncertain. It's just whether you follow them or not that's uncertain. But they're very comforting in that sense. But if you, so part of the process of negotiating anything, not just a sexual relationship, not a monogamy, but it's, it really is from my perspective, the thing that really solidifies the quality of the relationship that you have. I'm going to step aside and talk a little about something else for a minute now. I just wrote a, uh, an article for, about the dynamics of the relationship. And part of the dynamics of relationships is how you interact. And how you, part of how you interact with each other is this process of negotiation. And from my perspective, it is that process that defines the felt quality of a relationship. You know what I mean when I say the felt quality? How you feel kind of interactions that you have. And from my perspective, that is what makes a given relationship unique. So one of the the, uh, defining element of a a satisfying, sustainable relationship, from my perspective, is the willingness and the ability to negotiate with each other. So if there is somebody in a relationship, one of the persons in the relationship is uncomfortable, doesn't want to, or has a hard time with that, I think that would be, that would constitute problem in the relationship that probably cannot be rectified within that relationship. And I would recommend they seek some outside help. Well, Catherine, you've given us and our listeners a lot to think about. And uh, I think it's important to think about it. Like, I think the overall theme is questioning your assumptions. You know, exactly. And and that's such a valuable thing to do personally with everything mm-hmm. in your life and then relationally. Um, and whether or not like what you decide, you might say no coffee sessions with your business partners. And that is really threatening to you. Like dig into that and understand why. And maybe that's nothing you can get over, but... Probably if you if you dig into it, you're going to discover new things about yourself and then bring that into the relationship and then you guys will move forward better. And it just seems like a... Wonderfully said. Yeah. And <laughs> thank you. But um, you're the one... I'm just repeating what you said. And, and <laughs> yeah, but you, you have a nice way of saying it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. And um, before we wrap up, are mm-hmm. there any things that we skipped over or anything you want to leave our listeners with? And then uh, please tell our listeners about your book and then we'll say goodbye. 
Okay. Um, now I think that uh, one of the main concepts, the uh, main ideas that I wanted to get across was, of course, the notion between old monogamy and new monogamy. I thought that's very important. But under the idea that undergirding this uh, new monogamy is the notion of negotiation, collaboratively negotiating. And that undergirds or is the basis for relationships in general. And that's what my book, which is called A Marriage of Equals, uh, and you can by Catherine Aponte, and you can get it at indie bookstores, and you can take a look at it and uh, get reviews on it, and on Amazon, of course. And I'd be most happy to have uh, people look and um, uh, take a look and even comment about it. Well, thank you so much, Catherine, for all the information today and for coming onto the show. And we'll have the links to your book as well as your Wonderful. articles on our website and your website at idpodcast.com. And thank you so much. Thank you, both of you, Chase and Sarah. Appreciate it a lot. Hi, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page, as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14 day happy couple challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, we also have our love tribe on Facebook. We encourage you guys to join the tribe and be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook love tribe fam and you'll find us right there and if you are interested in learning more about our course spark my relationship we hope you guys check it out we have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners so you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more as always thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week